0: We're just going to take a little break from our series today. We've been doing this series, "What on Earth Am I Here For?" It's going to take a little break um, from that. I know that many of you are enjoying that, but um, but like I said, we're just going to do something a little bit uh, a little bit different um, today. And uh, look, I know that many of you here today are people that have chosen to. Be believers, chosen to to follow Jesus, and I know that some of you here are still just on that journey of trying to work that out. Which is, which is, we're just glad that you're here. But um, but many of you have chosen to step into this place where you're saying, "I'm going to be, I'm going to be led by God in my life. I'm not, I'm not going to be the, 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 I'm not going to try and run things myself. I'm going to be led by God." And um, just you know, just a question that's just so helpful for us. From time to time, to ponder, is um, is that question of like how, how did how did I come to that decision? And my guess would be that for many of us, you know, we can think of specific people that were um, were in our lives that um, that called us forward, that that helped us to, um, to 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 find God. I've got some. I've been going to church my whole life. And my very earliest memories of church was going to St. John's Presbyterian Church in Papatoe. And uh, my memories are a little bit fuzzy, but the things I can remember is I had to put on some shoes that were very, very uncomfortable uh, for uh, a while. I remember that um, my dad used to play the organ at the church, and um, he used to like he's like a serious organ player. Where he gets the, the pedals going. You've seen those guys? They do little pedals, playing notes with your feet. Pretty clever. Um, and um, I remember there was a graveyard at the back of the church, which was kind of a bit kind of intriguing and a bit spooky all at the same time. Um, so this and oh, and there was a guy, there was a teenager there with long hair that everyone called Catweasel. So those are all my memories. Those are all my memories of of that. But then in my teenage years, um, I went to Henderson Baptist Church. Anyone here with connections to Henderson Baptist Church? Mike's got connection. Ivan, did you know Ivan and I were at the same youth group together in Henderson Baptist Church? I was just a little bit older than him, well, probably a lot older than him, but um, yeah, 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 I had to say that. So, um, but um, I kind of went to church, but I I, I wasn't really a Christian. Um, I just sort of went along, and it was it was fun, and um, and I tell you, yeah. Um, I had some people sew into me at that church. One of them was um, was John Cowan. If you did know John Cowan from the parenting place, he was one of the guys that sort of sewed into me there. I just, I, I just think it can't be easy, like, sowing into teenage boys on their journey of faith. It just can't be easy. I mean, even Rebecca was saying, like, you know, like, those yeah, nine boys are just you know, they're, they're crazy. I remember, um, I remember one evening before we went to church on the night time. This is... <laughs> And there's probably about four of us standing on the outside the front of the church, and it's sort of this sort of it's sort of a little bit above the road, and um, Great North Road, quite a busy road. And there's four of us out there, and we all downtrode to the cars going past. So, so um, you know, there's four little bare butts sort of hanging out to all the traffic, and you can just imagine people driving past, going, like, "I wonder what they teach those guys at their church." You know, like, what is that? So, um, I mean, not at all cool, eh? but it's just like. Like, but people just hung in there with us. You know, they just hung in there with us, and um, I can remember that. Um, you know, I, I just look back. I just think that God was just wooing me through people that would just, you know, sow into my life, and you know, a few Easter camps, and you know, went to, and you know, there was this call to follow Jesus, and and um, and I often kind of say yes, but it was just because I would talk about if you got hit by a bus today, you know, when you left here, if you got hit by a bus, where where would you? where would you be heading? And I'm just thinking, like, what is it with, there's some crazy bus driver that's just targeting Christians that come off Easter camp. And um, it's, um, but I was around, I think it was around 17. And I just got to the point where I thought, you know, this, if this is real, if, if this is, is going to be something that, um, if everything that they're saying is real, then you've, it, it actually is, is pretty serious, and I've got to make a decision. And um, and I came to that place, and I just I can just still remember I just yielded myself to God, and I said yes, you know, I will give up trying to do life my own way, and I will step in and be a and follow you as best I can for the rest of my life. And I tell I absolutely can say this, best decision I've ever made. I absolutely can say that, hand on heart best decision i 've ever made yeah you know, and just think like, so, so what about you you know what's what's your story i'm sure that um, if we sort of sat around and, and uh, asked each other that question i 'm sure that we're going to have some incredible stories we'd hear incredible stories of how God has wooed you know many of you and um, but aren't you grateful for those people that have you know played a part in helping you come to faith I mean I sure am um, those guys, you know this some, you know, those people that were our youth leaders back in the day, I'm just, you know, that they hung in with us kind of like crazy bunch of guys that we were, so. So, you know, the thing is, though, that as we think about people that have sown into our life, you know, we, we also have the ability to perhaps play a part in, in helping others to come to the same place. Like, for me, like, I can say, for me, decision to follow jesus is the best decision i've ever made and how much then should we be you know be wanting that for other people and it's always it's always the challenge isn't it of uh, of life together in church is that we're we're grateful that um that god has found us and that we've found him um and, but then he says, like, hey, how about, how about putting a handout and, and inviting other people into it as well? And I know for many of you that's just you do it all the time, but for most of us it's a, it's a little bit hard to do that. And that's why we do things like we know that with, you know, Kiwis aren't so good. Well, you know, probably most people actually aren't that good at, um, you know, talking to people about, um, about things that they may not necessarily be interested in. But i tell you what, we are good at what we can do is we can invite. You know, we can invite people to things. And um, we've got this Alpha course kicking off in, in Term 2 at a number of different places. You would have got a um, flyer as you came in, and there's some other places that still may kick off yet um, with that. But, um, but this is such an incredible opportunity that we have, and it's just to invite. And I know that we've, um, we've had these cards that we've, um, we've popped out the last little while, and um, the one plus one plus one cards, which I had one, but it' disappeared, um, just to say, can you just think of one person you could pray for for one minute a day for a month and invite along, um, perhaps invite along to an alpha course um, so what we 're going to do i 'm just going to what we 're going to do this morning what the way that alpha course there's lots of different ways that it runs, but one of the things that they do is say like uh, you can you can play a video um, and invite people along just to a one off evening um, or a you know, and um, and play this video just so they can get a taste of of what it is. And so we're going to do that together as a church this morning, um, because I know that um, uh, a number of you may sort of hear about Alpha and you just think, well. Kind of sounds good, but I don't really know if I'd want to invite someone without really knowing that much about it. Um, I've never—you know—might be that you've never done an Alpha course, or so. This will just give you a taster of of what it's like, and it's similar length videos every night, and then it's just afterwards, it's just really just just hanging and and chatting, and it's not telling anyone what they should believe or anything. It's just letting the video do the talking, and then it's just loving people, and um, when people feel loved, and they learn some stuff, then, then we just see God drawing them, and. Um, and it's just so so important that we never forget that um that part of our call as followers of Jesus is to be be on his team to help, you know, rescue others. So So let's have a little look at this and um and give everyone and I know that just before we do, um like I say a number of our, our groups are doing are doing alpha. And um but just be looking at this and thinking as you do, is there someone that I know that to, that would be would be i think would be ready for looking at something like this or being a part of an eight week thing around this and and um and this will give you a taster of it so let's play it now and have, have a little listen.
1: Hi, I'm Nikki. Welcome to Alpha. Life is busy. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? What's happening today? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions. Like, why am I here? Where am I heading? Is this it? Is there more to life than this? These are life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through properly. We all have different perspectives on
2: the meaning of life and faith, and Alpha is an opportunity to explore life's big questions.
3: This is a great place to come together and talk about them openly and honestly. I'm Gemma. I'm Toby. And this is Alpha.
2: Um, I go on Google. Google.
4: I definitely google.
2: I go on Wikipedia.
4: Internet. I uh,
2: scroll through all the different answers and then I try and combine it and then make my own kind of like cornerstone.
4: Or
5: smart friends.
4: I don't ask big life questions, it's too hard to answer. Google. Or my grandmother.
5: I meditate
3: or I read. When I have a big life questions, I probably go to my family.
4: I haven't really had
5: any mess with what they said. So.
3: To my mom or my dad, basically. My mom or my dad, maybe my grand. I get most of my answers from the library in
1: any section there, because I don't really trust the people that I'm around.
5: The key is always to yourself. you got to figure some things out for yourself.
3: If I'm confused, I go to him first. And he confuses me more. But when it's something more personal, I try to find it within myself first.
2: Friends of mine told me that the first night they came to Alpha, they sat in their car for half an hour waiting and watching people going in, and eventually when they'd seen enough normal looking people going in, they thought they'd give it a try.
3: And one thing that might be going through your mind is, am I going to be the only one there who doesn't believe all this stuff, who's not a Christian, that doesn't go to church? Well, if that's you, then you're in the right place. Alpha is designed for people who wouldn't call themselves Christians or who are not regular churchgoers.
2: It might feel a bit strange to be discussing life and faith with people that you've never met before, but the best thing about Alpha is often the great friendships that are formed over the weeks.
1: For much of my life, I was not remotely interested in Christianity. In fact, I don't think I'd ever come to something like Alpha. I was not brought up as a Christian. My father was a secular Jew. He was an agnostic, and my mother didn't go to church, uh, and I had no interest at all in Christianity. First of all, I just thought it was so boring. Everything to me about church, Christianity, religion was just dull and dreary. And it kind of made me feel a little bit guilty. I didn't know why, but I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I also thought it was untrue. I, I thought I'd sort of thought it through and uh, I'd come up with these intellectual objections and i call myself very pretentiously, I called myself a logical determinist. And I quite enjoyed arguing with people who called themselves Christians. And at university I had a bit of a reputation for being an argumentative atheist. And I also thought it was irrelevant to my life. I couldn't see how someone who'd lived 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, could have any relevance to my life today. It just seemed outdated and irrelevant. But at the same time, Looking back now, I would say something was missing. I say that because I don't think I was living in the moment. I was always looking forward to the next thing in life. So when I was at school, I was thinking, when I finish my exams, maybe that will be when I'm going to really start to enjoy life. I finished my exams, and then after about three weeks, I started to think, there's got to be more to life than this. And I thought, well, maybe when I've left school, that will be what life's all about. And then I left school, and after about three weeks, I started to think, there's got to be more to life than this. I thought, well, maybe the answer is to get a girlfriend. And somehow, I don't know how I managed it, but I managed to find a girlfriend. Okay, after about three weeks, I started to think, there's got to be more to life than this. And, and basically, there was something missing. I was longing for more.
3: The actor Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of, so they would know that's not the answer. Some people dream of having their name in lights of fame and fortune. Some people dream of finding happiness through relationships, careers, money, whatever it may be. But do you ever get that niggly feeling that As good as those things are, there must be more to life.
2: Yeah, all too often life just doesn't turn out the way we think it should. And even when it does and we achieve our wildest dreams, it's somehow never quite enough. It just doesn't satisfy. It's like there's something missing. The comedian and actor Russell Brand said, Drugs and alcohol are not my problem. Reality is my problem. Drugs and alcohol are my solution to fill up a hole inside me. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In other words, I'm the one who fulfills the longing that's deep inside every human heart. Jesus claimed to be the one person who can satisfy that spiritual hunger.
3: Freddie Mercury, the lead singer of the rock group Queen, had amassed a huge fortune and attracted millions of fans. But he admitted in an interview shortly before his death... That he was desperately lonely he said this you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man and that's the most bitter type of loneliness success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need a loving ongoing relationship
2: jesus said i am the way the truth and the life ultimately there's only one relationship that is totally loving and goes on forever and that's a relationship with god and Jesus said, I am the way to that relationship.
1: It's maybe money. What makes me happy? Music. Music, ice cream and cheese.
2: Sleep makes me happy.
3: I Going to the gym, seeing my friends, to the club, playing football. Dogs. Alcohol. <laughs> uh,
2: women, pretty much. The idea of life in general makes me
5: happy. Clothes? Uh women. More to life than this.
3: That's a really good question.
5: I don't know, I can't tell you.
3: I think we're supposed to learn a couple of things. There's nothing more.
4: I'm still figuring that out to be honest.
0: Uh no. Let's live in the moment.
5: Absolutely, I strongly believe that there's more to life than
2: this. No idea. Sorry. <laughs> When I was about 17, I was sitting having a burger with two friends and we were looking out the window and commenting on a few of the stores across the street and I suddenly realised that I couldn't read any of the signs even if I squinted. So I asked if I could borrow one of my friend's pair of glasses and as soon as I put them on, I realised I could see everything like colours, shapes, words. I was amazed at how everything was so clear and I could see before, but now I could really see. And to me, that's the best way to describe the difference that Jesus makes. Jesus is the lens through which we see God. And
1: he's also the lens
2: by which we see the world in a totally different way.
1: Jesus said, I am the truth. Some people's response to a Christian might be, well, it's great for you, you found meaning and purpose in your life, but it's not for me. But when you think about it, that's not actually a logical position because if Christianity is true, it's of vital importance to every one of us. And if it's not true, it's not great for us, because it means we're deluded. C.S. Lewis was one of the great intellectual giants of the 20th century, probably best known as the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. He said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. I come from a family of lawyers, so naturally I wanted to look at the original documents and sources. I never really looked at the evidence before, and I was astonished at how much evidence there is for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. For me, it was through reading these documents that we find in the New Testament that I came to the conclusion it's true. One of the last cases I did as a lawyer was in the Court of Appeal in front of Lord Denning, an absolutely brilliant mind, perhaps the greatest judge of the 20th century. He said on one occasion that his Bible was his most tattered book in his library. He'd examined the evidence really carefully and he came to the conclusion, it's true. One former professor of history at Oxford University described the resurrection as the best attested fact in history. I hadn't realised how many of the pioneers of modern science were believers. Descartes, Newton, Kepler, Galileo, Locke, Copernicus, Faraday, Kelvin, Pasteur, Francis Collins, one of the greatest scientists of our time, was director of the Human Genome Project, mapping the three billion letters in the human DNA, considered by many to be the most significant scientific undertaking of our time. He describes how he encountered Jesus and came to believe in the truth of Christianity.
4: Well, in the home where I grew up, Uh, Faith was not something that was talked about very much. Uh, My father was a professor of drama, my mother a playwright. Uh, When I went to college and those discussions in the dorm late at night about religion uh, began to occur, I had no particular reason to attach value uh, to a faith system. It had never been something I was familiar with or had internalized at all. And I assumed that any religious feelings that anyone held must be on the basis of some emotional experience, and I didn't trust those, or on the basis of some childhood indoctrination, uh, which I felt I was fortunate to have missed. I loved the experience of learning about the human body and all of the components of that, and I particularly loved being introduced to genetics. But then I ended up in the medical school curriculum sitting at the bedside of patients with diseases. This was no longer an abstract study of molecules and organ systems. These were real people. And one afternoon, one of my patients, a wonderful elderly woman, much like a grandmother, uh, who had very bad heart disease. Uh, She had a particularly bad episode of chest pain uh, while I was with her. She got through it, and at the end of that, explained to me how her faith was the thing that helped her in that situation. She realized that the doctors around her weren't really giving her that much help, but her faith was. And after she finished her own very personal description uh, of that faith, she turned to me, and I had been silent, and she looked at me quizzically and she said, what do you believe, doctor? And ultimately, I had to admit to myself that her question had made me realize that I had arrived at an answer to the most important issue that we humans ever deal with. Is there a God? And I had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence. And I was supposed to be a scientist. If there's one thing scientists claim they do, is to arrive at conclusions based upon evidence. And I hadn't taken the trouble to do that. I was greatly assisted uh, by a pastor who lived down the road who I went and asked about all this and who gave me a copy of C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, Mere Christianity, because here was an Oxford scholar, a prodigiously developed intellect, who had traveled the same path. Within those pages, I realized for the first time that one can come to belief on a rational basis and that, in fact, Given the many pointers that one sees around oneself in terms of the universe and it having a beginning, and its fine-tuning in terms of the way in which all those constants that determine the behavior of matter and energy seem to have been set just in a certain very precise range to make life possible, Uh, and many other things, including my beloved mathematics and why they actually work anyway to describe the universe, something that makes you think the creator must have been a mathematician. That brought me then to the person of Jesus Christ. As a person who was historically extremely well documented, that was news to me. I thought Christ was as much myth as history, and I realized after reading more about it, this was a historical figure upon which we have a great deal of evidence for his existence and his teachings, and even his rising from the dead in a literal way. That day at uh, my patient's bedside started a journey for me. A journey that I was reluctant uh, to begin, but I felt I needed to. A journey that I thought would result in strengthening my atheism, but to my surprise resulted in my conversion.
3: There's a difference between knowing facts about someone and really knowing them personally. Now, I've known my husband, Phil, for three years now, but suppose if, before we met, I found him on a website called The Amazing Man. Now, there's no doubt I would have looked at him and thought, okay, I'm intrigued. But what if each page was dedicated to his amazing abilities? His sparkling personality, his tender heart, his extraordinary intelligence and his cooking abilities? Well, I would think, wow, he does sound like an amazing person but that's head knowledge. But I also have the privilege of being married to him, and I know that he's an amazing person, which is knowledge that comes from an experience of a relationship, and that's heart knowledge.
2: When Jesus said, I am the truth, he was talking about more than just a kind of intellectual truth. The Hebrew understanding of truth was truth as experienced. And there's a big difference between a kind of intellectual knowledge and a personal knowledge, between your head and your heart. So when someone says, I know Jesus is the truth, They're not just talking about being convinced of the evidence, they're also talking about experiencing a relationship with the risen Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and lastly he said, I am the life. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to deal with the things in our lives that stop us from enjoying life to the full, the things that spoil our lives.
1: I hate shopping. I loathe it. I I think I'm allergic to shopping. But occasionally my wife, Pippa, persuades me to go shopping. And just after Christmas, uh, it was the sales, and she persuaded me to go shopping. And we went into the shop and we bought this very nice new sweater, uh, the same colour as all my other sweaters. And um, we left the shop and we went to buy a present for her. And we went into this ghastly shop. It was so crowded. It was Unbelievable, And even Pippa had had enough, and she said, OK, we're leaving. So we went to leave. And as we left, the security alarm went off. And the security guys moved in very quickly, and they stopped us all from leaving. And, like, the crowd that was trying to leave was stopped, and the crowd that was trying to come in was stopped. And we were there, right in the middle. Uh, the six of us who were going through the security at that one time were all taken off and sectioned off from all the rest and they wanted to see which one of the six of us had set off the alarm. So they sent one of them through, and that was fine, they obviously hadn't set it off. Then they sent the next one through, they obviously hadn't set it off. Then the third, then the fourth, none of them set it off. So it was left with Pippa and I was standing there, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm married to a shoplifter. It must be Pippa who's got set off the alarm. So they sent her through, and she didn't set it off. So I thought... Oh, my goodness, I've obviously got something. Someone must have planted something on me. I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be sent to prison. All the crowd were watching, both sides. They were just watching this criminal who'd been caught going through. So they went through, and as I went through, the alarm went off. They took me to the side, they opened up my rucksack on my back, and there they found this sweater from the other shop with the tags still on it. I felt so guilty... That was like false guilt. I also sometimes experience true feelings of guilt because I do things that are not right, that are not good. And this is the wonderful news, that God loves you and he loves me. God came in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and for me. And on the cross, he took all of your guilt all of my guilt, everything you've ever done wrong, everything I've ever done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong, and he died in our place in order that we could be forgiven. And forgiveness, C.S. Lewis said, it's like a, a recording of our life wiped completely clean. And when we receive that forgiveness, we find life and life in all its fullness. And that's what Jesus wants for you and for me, life in all its fullness, life at its very, very best.
5: I think for so many years, you know, I always just strive to be strong in myself. And it was as if that all I needed was me and my buddies and, you know, would be like invincible. But the truth is none of us are. And I don't want to do this thing called life. I don't want to do it on my own. And it kind of feels like my longing for this, this light inside is now stronger than my fear of what others might think. And people often ask, well, doesn't that make uh, faith like a crutch? And you know, well, maybe, but you know, what does a crutch do? Uh, A crutch helps you stand and it makes you stronger. And in that case, you know, sure, I need a bit of that. But especially when it's so much more than that, when this faith inside is also also like a backbone, uh, helping me stand tall and help me be strong when I'm really up against it, facing those odds, whether it's on a mountain or stuck in some jungle or just dealing with the storms, you know, with the storms of life. Uh, Sure, I need it, you know, I I need that. Uh, But at heart, my Christian faith says that I am, that I'm known, that I'm known to Christ, Uh, bought at a price, uh, blessed with light. Uh, Faith says that we're loved regardless of our mess, uh, regardless of how many times we fall down and that Jesus somehow picks me up. And sure, you know, I'll reach out to that. Why? Why wouldn't I?
1: I used to think Christianity was boring, untrue, and irrelevant. But when I read about Jesus, I realized he was anything but. Jesus said he's the way to God. He's the one who brings meaning and purpose to your life. He said he's the truth. He said he's the life, that true fulfillment is found in a relationship with God through him.
2: Alpha is a place where you can be yourself. You can say what you think and challenge everything. No no question is too complex or too simple. And what your point of view is, is as important as anyone else's.
3: And over the weeks ahead, we are going on a journey together, an adventure to explore the questions of life, faith and meaning. Think of it this way. If you live to be 70, you're going to spend 20 years and three months asleep. 10 years and five months watching TV, Five years and nine months in some form of transportation. Seven years and six months eating and drinking. You have approximately 570,000 hours left to live. So why not spend less than 24 of them asking life's biggest questions?
1: Welcome to Alpha.
0: Pretty good, eh? Uh, it's real good. So that's, that's a taste of Alpha. And, um, you know, when we're talking about, hey, is there someone... You, you may want to do it yourself. You may want to go, actually... And one of the things that we've found for people that have been Christians for a little while with doing Alpha is it just gives them a whole bunch of um, language around having conversations with people. You know, some of the uh, the topics that they go through is like, who is Jesus? They'll talk about things like... Um, what about prayer? What's prayer all about? How do I pray? They'll talk about, like, um, evil. How do I resist evil? Um, a lot of these questions that when you get into conversations with people about spiritual things that they ask, and it just gives us some, uh, some language for that. But but if there's someone that, you know, you just think, like, uh, to invite them along. For, you know, it's eight weeks, and you might go, like, hey, you know, have you ever um, heard of a thing called an alpha course? And they'll go, no, what's that all about? And and um, and then you'll go, like, well, and what you can do is that you can say, why don't you watch the YouTube video? That's, that's on YouTube. So if you just Googled Alpha Episode 1, okay, what is it? That's pretty easy, eh? Alpha Episode 1, that'll be the top hit, that thing there, and you just click on it and away you go. Easy. And then you just say, why don't you have a look at that and, um, and then see if you're interested, you know, and then, make, you know, then go along with them. It's, um, and uh, it's such a, such a cool thing very cool thing i've just um was talking with scotty young who's one of the pastors down at uh, grace vineyard church and they have recently planted up in a church up in pegasus just north of Christchurch there and you talk to him about alpha and his eyes just get brighter and he gets all excited and energized because he's sort of saying that there was this guy that came to alpha a couple of years back and no faith background at all and um and this guy just came you know came from not knowing anything about God to fully giving his life to Jesus, and he's just saying, it's just so amazing, and then the next time he invited his whole family, his whole family gave their lives to Jesus, and he's, and he's talking about these people now, they just, they've got a vibrant faith, they're, they're leaders within their church, and, um, and he just, the more he talked about it, the more excited he was getting, and this is the sort of thing that, that can happen when we do this. Now, I know that for most of us, yeah, probably, well, hopefully for all of us, that you're you love being a part of Coast Vineyard Church. I know I sure do, but I hope too that it's not the kind of the same kind of love that you have for a cruise ship. There's a p- picture is going to come off of a cruise ship up here? It's like, yeah, I love Coast Vineyard Church. I love the way that I can just sit on these things. Someone will bring me drinks, and um, I hope it's more. Like a love that people have as they um, as they go on an adventure together, you know that we're and, and the thing with going on an adventure is that if you're going to climb a mountain or um, you know do something, is that you know there's a bit of planning and there's a bit of effort, a bit of training, a bit of learning, a bit of a bit of cost, and then you jump into it, and that's like a bit of risk and a bit of uh, uncertainty, but a whole bunch of excitement and a whole bunch of camaraderie that forms as you, as you do that together. And that's the kind of the love that I'd hope that we'd all have when it comes to um, you know, Coast Vineyard because you know, that's, it's, it's a big part of what, what God is, is saying to us is that like, as you have been rescued, be a rescuer of others. As, as you have been loved, love others. As, as you have reached up to me with your hand out, have an arm a hand back. To grab a hold of of others and help them into it as well, and so could I encourage you to um, to, to seriously consider this. It's going to kick off not this week, but the following week in these other places. If any of you looking at this and thinking, like, "Actually, I could get together with a bunch of, you know, t- you know, a few few people, and we could just do it at my house," it's like, "Let's do it." If you think, "Like actually, I, you know, maybe I could do something into the hub, and um, you know, we could have a bunch of people and we could do it together," let's do it. Um, it's um, we would love that, uh, love that to happen. Um, so, and and if you are not normally part of a life group, um, why don't you consider getting along to Alpha over these eight weeks? Um, like I say, you'll learn stuff. It'll be helpful for you just in your own journey of faith. It'll be helpful for you in your conversations you have with people of faith, and um, and it'll give you. A framework too, maybe if you don't invite someone this time, but at least you'll know then what you'll be inviting people to when we do it uh, another time. So um, it's just the coolest thing to be part of inviting someone to something that can um, see them come to a place where they are choosing God for themselves. It's just the best thing, just the best thing. This is what Jesus, we finish with this, this is what Jesus has invited us all to do in Matthew 28. Jesus gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. So let's do it, people. What do you think? Let's do it. Okay, let's all stand together. I'll pray a blessing over us. If there's anyone here today that is wanting some specific prayer for something, maybe health, maybe a situation, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a relational challenge that they're in the midst of, we'd love to pray for you if you'd like to have people pray for you. Just come on up and just sit in these chairs at the front. We'd, we'd love to pray for you or grab the person next to you and pray. You know, God really is alive and active and uh, and wants to be involved in your life and we've seen some incredible things happen as we pray for each other so I don't want to just talk about Alpha and not give people the opportunity to uh, have God meet them in their place of need this morning but let me just close with a a prayer and um, now that you've been well and truly Alphaized this morning I just pray a blessing on you God we're just so grateful for that you would choose to be a rescuer, we thank you that it is your kindness that drew us to repentance God we are grateful that that you your heart is for the lost, and at one time we were lost god i 'm just so grateful that that you didn 't just leave me in that lost place god your your son Jesus used, would would say how important would would tell of how important lost people are. He went told the picture of the uh, the shepherd who would leave the 99 sheep to go and find the lost sheep of the of the woman who would uh, spend all day looking for the lost coin and the story of the father that longed and looked for his lost son when he went off the rails and was just looking for him the whole time and welcomed him back with open arms and celebration god you are a, you are a god that loves people and wants all to be saved so God, I pray that you just plant in our hearts a little bit of, of, uh, of your heart for lost people. Well, a lot of it, actually. But just that, that this next little while wouldn't be just a time of um, listening to this video and then heading back to, I've got to get back onto the deck of the cruise ship and, and get my next, uh, my, next, my next cocktail. This is about like, yeah, I think I, I need to do something here. God, let that land in our hearts, God. But, but let it be motivated by, by love. God, that we just want to love people so much that we would want to invite them into this this place of knowing you and this journey of faith. God, I pray for your blessing on each person here. God, again, we say thank you. Thank you that we are yours. Thank you that you've called us and that you've allowed us to find you as you sort us out, God. We thank you for your love that's at work in our lives. We thank you for your power that, that is available to us through the work of your Spirit in our lives. We thank you for the fruit of the Spirit, God, that causes us to grow and mature and to become more and more like you each day as we, as we follow you and journey with you. And God, I pray that your blessing on each person now in, in their lives and their situations as they go out into their, their homes, their workplaces... All that, all that is their lives, God, that your presence would be with us, your blessing would go with us, in Jesus' name. Amen.